When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by the Fearless Campaign in partnership with Toyota. Here is your host, Ron Callen. Welcome to the Beaver Sports Podcast. I'm Ron Callen with you. And what can you say, Beaver Nation, about what transpired last Saturday at Reeser? Just a tremendous football game on all levels. I mean, the performance of the team versus a tough UCLA squad, winning 36-24 to and improving to a bowl-eligible 6-1 with a bye week and still five important games to come for the 12th-ranked team in the country. But, you know, Saturday night was not just about the team. The fans, the students, homecoming, the blackout, the songs, and the light shows. Now, this is my opinion, nobody else's, but, you know, I do have decades of experience covering high school, college, and the NFL. I've been to a ton of games over the years, and the atmosphere at the new Reeser is really top shelf. It's five-star, power five, more than worthy. The conferences that may be ignoring Oregon State need to take a closer look. A lot of fans across the country have. TV ratings have been stellar. And the little old town in the Pacific Northwest has captured the hearts of millions across the nation because this is an incredible university. It's a great student body and an awesome athletic department. Stay tuned. Lots to come that very soon may make it clear on what might happen after this school year is over. Now, please, if you haven't subscribed to the Beaver Sports Podcast, it's easy. Then you'll be notified about upcoming shows and other things. Tonight, we get to relive last weekend, of course. We'll meet up with two of the top players on the talented men's soccer team, Ellis Spikner and Logan Farrington. The duo were part of the team's big win over number one Stanford earlier in the season. And guess what? This week, Stanford and Cal come to Corvallis for rematches. And we welcome two incredible Oregon State alums and both have great stories to tell. Alexis Cerna, the former Beaver place kicker Lou Groza award winner. He played in the pros, but now he's entering his sixth year as a leader in the OSU Sports Administration. Plus, he's going into the Beaver Hall of Fame in a few weeks. Also, Michaela Pivik, one of the most versatile and talented basketball players ever to grace the court at Gill Coliseum. She's playing pro ball overseas, but wants a chance to play at home in the WNBA. A few other sports notes. Congratulations to the volleyball team sweeping the Arizona schools last weekend in impressive style. This weekend, they'll host Stanford and Cal on Friday and Sunday. Women's soccer, they had a 0-0 match with Arizona last weekend. They will go to Stanford and Cal this upcoming weekend. And basketball. It's underway. A double dip on the 29th. The men will take on Southern Oregon late in the afternoon. At 1.30 in the afternoon, the women's team will host Western Washington. And this is not only basketball. It's Halloween time. There'll be a special trick-or-treat action for kids between the two games. Now it's time to dive deep into that tremendous victory over UCLA. The Bruins making their first trip to Corvallis in eight years. And early on... The Beaver D made them feel less than welcome. 
First drive of the game. Moore again in RPO. Rolls left. And this is picked off by Arnold. Akili back the other way. 35 inside the UCLA. 33. Akili Arnold caught that one. And in the game he said he's been waiting for his entire life. He gets an interception on the game's first drive. And the Beavers set up at the UCLA. 33. Mike Parker, voice of the Beavers on the call. That early interception set the tone. In fact, head coach Jonathan Smith was impressed about the play of Akili Arnold in this one. He played with a lot of passion. Oh, he played awesome tonight. Yeah, early early pick, recognizing. Again, it's not easy to play defense when the crowd is going because you got to be able to communicate. You know, he's a huge leader out there. Had an outstanding game. The Beavs built up a 13 to nothing lead in the first half, but late in the second quarter, the Bruins were driving to potential take the lead. However, a certain Beaver defender had other ideas. They go quickly on first down and a pass is picked off on the right sideline. Ryan Cooper Jr. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown Beavers! Ryan Cooper Jr. to the house! And the Beavers push the lead to 22 to 10. Easton Mascarenas Arnold with 13 tackles on the night, including five solo tackles in the victory. He and his brother, Achille Arnold, both loved what Ryan Cooper Jr. did to give the Beavers a 23-10 lead at halftime. Easton first, then Achille. Yeah, that was a, that's a big play. That's a man coverage. That's just can't teach it better than that. That's that's, a, that's Coop. Shout out to Coop. Uh, big play, especially in that. They started running the ball, get a little bit of momentum, and we took all the momentum right back with that play. And yeah, just big, 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 big momentum switch for us. That's the play of the game for real right there. That changed everything. All the momentum of them driving the ball, and then we get the pick six, you know. So that was that was huge, and I, you know, I applaud him, man. I'm I'm proud he got it. In the third quarter, DJ Uyungalale was outstanding again. After halftime, he spotted a guy who knows how to turn up the Jets. Into Bruin territory, first and ten Beavs under center, DJU to take a shot. DJ has time, and he's got a man open down the field. It's Bolden, wide open, caught, touchdown Beavers. That made it 29-10, and after UCLA made it 29-17, DJ back to pass again, and he finds tight end Jack Velling. Now, after the five-yard penalty, it's third and six, back to the 32. False start on the Beavers' right hash mark for DJ out of the shotgun. DJ to throw, down the middle, wide open, Jack Velling down the seam, the catch! Touchdown, Beavers, Jack Velling again! Velling just loved that particular pass play that led to six. A lot of big plays. Let's talk about that one down the middle. I mean, that that's always so pretty when the tight ends open down the middle like that. Yeah, no, we uh, we were scheming up that scheming that up all week. Uh, DJ said right before the play, be alert for cover two. It was cover two. I was just wide open, and he put a great ball on me, and it was perfect. DJ, with 266 yards passing, loved the way Beaver Nation stepped up. How loud was Beaver Nation tonight? I mean, at least they, didn't they make a difference? Yeah, no, it was hella dope. They was, they was rocking out here. They was definitely the loudest I've been in here. So it was an unbelievable game. Beaver Nation, the blackout, I think looked hella dope from the side, from the, from the field, seeing all the fans there. And I appreciate them for showing up, man. Shout out to Beaver Nation, man. Appreciate it. And now it's bye week time. A chance to heal and rest up. However, for the coaching staff, a whole lot of stuff to get ready for the following week when they go to Tucson and take on Arizona. Yeah, we're going to take this week. We got to, you know, get refreshed, recover. Obviously, we're going to take a look at ourselves. So, you know, because we got some tendencies, some things to get better at. We get a little light work middle of the week, and hopefully, get them back uh, fresh and ready to go for next week. And I know a certain Hall of Fame bound place kicker loved the game, and he loves this year's team. It's Alexis Cerna, the Lou Groza Award winner. Beaver Nation, thank you for listening to the Beaver Sports Podcast presented by Fearless in partnership with Toyota as the presenting sponsor. Fearless recognizes the excellence of our female student-athletes, educates our community about the many ways OSU athletics and our women's programs have redefined greatness in women's sports, and encourages Beavers everywhere to give to the future of women's athletics at OSU. To learn more, go to OurBeaverNation.com forward slash fearless. And thank you to Toyota for helping bring this sponsorship of fearless to life.
We also want to send this next note out to our furry friends who follow the podcast. We've partnered with your local Toyota dealers to create the first ever official fan club for your favorite pet, Benny's Buddies, of course. Each member gets an official social media filter, and Toyota and Oregon State will be giving away collars and leashes, treats, toys, and so much more. So sign up your pet today at osubeavers.com forward slash Benny's Buddies.com. SeatGeek, also a proud sponsor of the Beaver Sports Podcast. SeatGeek, the official fan to fan ticket marketplace of the Oregon State Beavers. Let's welcome into the Beaver Sports Podcast Alexis Cerna, one of the great kickers of all time in the Pac 10 or 12. Which one were you in the Pac 12, right? I was Pac 10, yeah. You were Pac 10? Yeah, Pac 12 was a few years after me. Well, you know, uh, we'll get into uh, some of the great memories of when you were playing here, but uh, uh, you've been here, this is your sixth year working in administration, and one of, one of the things you focus on is, okay, 99% of the players who play college football don't get to the NFL, but they've got to have a future, they've got to have their act together. Uh, what is it like to work with student athletes? You know, you don't want to be like, hey, you're not going to make it, you got to be ready, but you still got to say... You have to be ready for life after football, whether it's in the NFL or whether it's just you know after Corvallis. Yeah, so I've uh, taken a, a unique approach to the job and my role um, because I, it's a lived experience for me. And really what I've learned is there's a lot of great experiences and skills you can develop while being a football player. Um, it's just understanding how to translate those skills and talk with employers and companies at the end of the day. I can teach them how to get a job and do all that stuff, but I can't teach them how to be a great football player. They have to want that themselves. And so that's really how we emphasize it is like, Hey, go in there, do the best that you can be, pay attention to the details, be accountable, be a good team player, be a leader, all of those things. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely don't tell them, hey, you're not going to make it. That's really up to them. Uh, they have to actually also come to the terms that I'm done with football. I'm hanging up the cleats. And then from that point, it's a lot. It's pretty simple to, to help them get land, uh, a position because doesn't matter what the organization or company or anything across the, the nation, people are struggling to find quality talent. That's just that's just the way it is. And so I know I have a gold mine of talent here with these student athletes. I know they're going to go off and be successful. So it's really a matter of helping them network and put them in those right situations to get to this point where you get a scholarship at a, you know, an FBS school in a conference like the Pac-12, you've got to have your act together in some regard. I, I know some guys are just incredible athletes. Same with women's basketball. You know, I travel with them, and I'm just amazed how focused they are on schoolwork, on togetherness, on winning, the passion for it. you got to have the passion, whether it's for a sport that you're involved in or after sports, that, that you know, profession you're going to get involved in. Yeah, so... Um the way I explain it is that they turn 18, so this is the first time they're an adult and they're by themselves, and this is what their life is. They have to show up on time. They have the practices, and you know, depending on the sport, they may practice in the morning or afternoon, but those days are split between practice and going to school. And then after that, they also have to balance being a, a, a college student, hanging out with friends, and then also making sure that they get their homework done. Um, and then you know, studying film and all that other stuff. They, they just learn so many great skills here. And the one thing that I always say is that they come in with kind of like with the deer in the headlights, like all I've done is played sports my whole life. Like, why would anybody hire me? And I'm like, that's exactly why. And, you know, that was a lived experience for me because I remember thinking, gosh, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, why would anybody want to hire me? All, literally, all I've done is kick the ball. And once I started working and I started excelling and flying up the ladder, um, I realized it was because of all the skills that I developed as a, a collegiate student athlete, as a professional athlete. So I tell them, like, you know what, be the best player that you can be. Pursue trying to get all-conference, all-American. Try to walk on that stage in ESPN. If you do all of those things, I can guarantee you're going to be successful outside of these walls. Like, and so really dive in and into this experience. Be the best player that you can possibly be. One of the uh, recent players for the Oregon State Beavers I was really impressed with, I think most people are, is Jack Coletto. So he gets the uh, Paul Horning Award. Amazing. He gets uh, a free agent opportunity with the Niners. He's there for a while. But then last week they let him go. But I guess it was day before yesterday. He is signed for the practice squad with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I mean, a guy like Jack Coletto, you know he's going to be a success in something, right? And plus, uh, such a versatile player. I, I don't know how much you interacted with Jack, but uh, I was impressed. Yeah, no, uh, he'd come into my office and we'd have a lot of conversations. Um, the one thing that was always interesting, you talk about he's going to be successful. When we'd have events and he'd be speaking, um, you know, like as a player, telling what the experience is, and I'd be sitting with people that were like working for companies and they're like, we want him. Like that, that's who we want to hire. It's, I've heard that multiple times. I'd get emails and messages like, Hey, what is he interested in? We would love to hire Jack. And, and that's just the reality of it is like you do, you do what like Jack does. He, he's going to have an opportunity to play professionally. Uh, how long that career is, we, we're not sure, but he's going to have opportunities and he's going to be successful outside of football and make some good money. NIL. The portal, all of this stuff that's, you know, changing the face of college sports, the Oregon State women, NIL club they've started. Uh, what about, and in the Utah team, 85 trucks go to the scholarship players. I mean, <laughs> how is that changing the face of college sports in your mind, Alexis? Um it's just different. I think it's an opportunity uh, for athletes to make money. You know, um, you know, you were just restricted to your scholarship funds before, and now there's opportunity to make a little bit more money, and and that's totally fine. I just want to be able to see them to manage their money well, even though it is coming in. And some of them that will be diving into the brand um, and personal brands and doing all that stuff, they're going to realize that they have an entrepreneur spirit. That one day they're going to be owning their own business and really understanding those pieces and aligning that. It, you know, it's a different day and age. Um, and but I, I sit back and I wonder, man, coming out of my sophomore year winning the Lou Groves Award, how much money would I have made? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> there's all those things. But it, I think it's it's exciting and you just got to adapt with the time. It's a different time, but um, I think that's just ultimately what it is. Is you got to adapt. You can't say, oh, you know, back in my day we didn't do all that stuff. But regardless of how you feel. The times has changed, so you have to adjust with it in order to stay relevant. Sitting here in the media room in the Valley Athletic Center, and over your left shoulder is the Lou Groza Award <laughs> and your picture. How did that season and getting that award change your life, if any, Alexis? Because obviously that was a big deal. Um, I think the there's two things or a couple of things that I ended up learning from that um, that experience. You know, one of them was that a lot of times people pers like try to get to be number one. That's everybody's goal. It's like, hey, I want to be a number one. But to actually achieve that and reach that, it's pretty amazing feat. But one of the things I ended up learning during that time was that uh, being at the top is pretty lonely. Uh, and it was just a different mental approach going into it. I had a lot more pressure, but that pressure was internal. Um, and so realizing and having those conversations with our kickers and punters and even other athletes, like other players and positions of, like, you know what, like, you, you don't want to try to think about that. Just focus on what you need to do to be successful. Um, the goal isn't to be number one. The goal is to, once you get there, how do you stay there? That's the big goal. That's really what makes a difference between a, a great player or a legendary player is being able to continuously to perform at that same level after you're doing it. Like I look at somebody like Adley Rutschman coming into that senior, his last year here where they uh, had him as number one. And to go out and still be number one at the end of the season, that's an amazing feat. And so that it's not surprising to see his career that he's having right now because being able to handle that pressure and stress and be able to perform in it is pretty amazing. Uh, the second thing was, you know, obviously message boards and different things during those times. And for me, it was uh, almost I felt like I was trying to prove people wrong for all, all the things that had happened before. And I got to that point and I was like, oh, nobody can say anything to me anymore. I'm the best like in the nation. And people are definitely still saying things. And I had a conversation with my dad and he told me. No matter how good of a person you are, how nice of a person you are, there's just going to be people that are not going to like you. And at that point, uh, I kind of flipped the switch and just realized I, I just got to not worry about other people's opinions and just focus on myself internally. Um, so that was that was two things that ended up coming from that season that I'm very appreciative and blessed to have. You know, Adley Rutschman, the first time I interviewed him, he was a place kicker. For the Beavs. Yeah. You know, he kicked off at his freshman year, but he was playing baseball, too. I think he made the right choice, right? Yeah, he, he, he made the good decision. And, uh, you know, I, I, I take a little pride and say, hey, you know what? That, that's just the way a specialist are. We're just good athletes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you know, I, I was looking at uh, the 2007 Civil War slash now rivalry series, but I was looking at video. And uh, at the end of the first overtime, Beavs are down three. 
And you have to make a field goal to keep it going into double OT where James Rogers ended up with the fly sweep and they won. That kick was close. I mean, what was going Just relive that moment because that was a huge moment for Oregon State to get that win down there, and you had to have that kick to do it. Yeah, so um, it was, I guess you almost have to start in the fourth quarter with that. Um, I come out for a field goal to put us ahead of the game, uh, and that kick gets blocked. And they start driving, and they're getting ready. But the one thing that was unique about that game was Lyle Moivau, um, one of his starts, and just him being on the sideline saying, we're going to win. We're going to win this game. And so it was like, okay, they, they kick the first field goal. We get the 15-yard penalty. They move up 15 yards closer. And then during that same time, he's still saying, hey, we're going to win. And you're like, oh, okay. But you kind of had a, a sense that you believe that. Then you watch them just make some bad uh, coaching mistakes and miss the kick. And then we go into overtime. And um, he makes his kick in the overtime. And then our offense did a great job. They got me one yard closer. Uh, and so I ended up hitting a 41-yard field goal. Uh, but, it, you know, I think with having a team really like that instilled the confidence in me that, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and put this through. We're going to go into double overtime. There was never a thought that, hey, this is a big kick. It's probably the biggest kick in my career as, as an Oregon State football player. But I never really felt the pressure or anything. But it was a lot of it had to do with Lyle just instilling that that confidence in like the entire team. So when I hit it, it kind of snuck in through the right edge. But um just from the start, you knew it was going to go in. And so it was, it was exciting to be able to go out there and do that. And just amazing seeing James go around the corner of the next play and then the defense stopping him, Dorian getting the first hit on um, Jonathan Stewart. And then, uh, you know, it's always funny, even though the game was over, you still kind of stop and you look around and you're like, okay, no flags. And I had a couple of other teams just rushed out onto the field immediately, but I'm like, oh, okay, we won. And so, but that was a lot of fun. Um, Going into the locker room, celebrating with teammates, that, that was a great win. A great season so far for this team in, in 2023. And they've got a couple of, of very talented kickers. Everett Hayes, who's been injured, but he was back on the sidelines last weekend. And then Atticus Sappington. Do they come and ask you questions? Do you offer? I mean, are you just, do they even know you're here? I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, because uh, I'm impressed with both of them. Yeah, they uh, they naturally uh, kickers and punters naturally gravitate towards me, um, and so a lot of it is just having conversations about my experience. And um, like I said, even with like the uh, Lou Groz Award, and even playing professionally and going through some of those experiences and sharing my stories with them um, to really guide them through this process because it can be difficult. It can be lonely as a kicker and punter. Like nobody really can relate. Like especially if you're the first time that anybody in your family's ever played football, which is exactly what Everett and Atticus are. And so. Um, um, and I remember having conversations with my family, and they never really understood the experience. They're like, nah, it doesn't really work that way. So just having somebody and an outlet that they can have a conversation. Um, and, I, and I love those guys. It's always fun having conversations with them and seeing what they're going through and just trying to keep them um, as confident as possible to knowing that they can do it. Alexis Cerna, our guest here in the Beaver Sports Podcast. Ron Callen with you. Two more questions. First one is, tell us about your family now, because obviously, you know, I see the wedding ring. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just think of all that stuff with my family. I, I love my family. So my wife, Julie, she was a cross-country and track runner here at Oregon State. Um, we didn't actually meet in athletics. She was an RA in my dorm. Uh, and so we met in Finley Hall. So shout out to all the people that uh, stayed in Finley Hall. Uh, and so we, uh, we met there and... Um, started dating the following year in 2004. Um, so Halloween will actually be coming up here so that we'll be together for 19 years. Um, been married for 13 years. Uh, now we have two boys, Sebastian and Lorenzo. Sebastian is 10 years old. Lorenzo is 6 years old. Um, they're both little athletes. Uh, we, we got them in soccer, basketball, and baseball. Um, you know, soccer is not their favorite sport. It hurts my, my feelings a little bit. But <laughs> Would they uh, be interested in perhaps kicking uh, football someday, or maybe they already are? Yeah, so um, I think the older one wants to play football, and he probably could play other positions, but uh, I don't want them playing football until they get into high school, and I do want them to be kickers. And so um, I've realized my, my nephew, uh, who um, plays for Cal Poly football right now, he actually – 
didn't play football up until his freshman year, started kicking and kind of advised him and guided him through that process. And then now he's at uh, Cal Poly starting as a redshirt freshman. Just recently, um, they played against Portland State. And so I have a picture of my nephew with my helmet on. We played against uh, Arizona State in 2007. So now I, I made sure that I was we were in Pullman at the time, but I made sure my wife got a picture of my boys with his helmet on, kind of a full circle moment. And so um, it's exciting to have him be uh, a role model for my boys and a motivation to be able to try to play collegiately. But definitely want to hold off on them um, that to be able to probably eighth eighth grade, I'll probably start teaching them a little bit about the kicking and started having them get out there, but not really play and just go out for fun. Um, so when they get into their high school year, I, I my goal is for them to be four sport athletes um, so that they can play football and soccer same season and like kind of work that out with the coach. Um, but that's my goal is just to continue to have them play multiple sports. But yeah, they'll, they'll play football eventually. I love that fact. I mean, I, I was a multiple sport player, and my dad too, and and he always encouraged it. You got to you got to learn those baseball muscles too. <laughs> you never know. But the last thing before we let you go, Alexis, November tenth is the Hall of Fame dinner. Uh, um, you know, I'm excited about emceeing that dinner. Talk about uh, what's going to happen that night, and if, if you remember off the top of your head, who's going to be inducted? Yeah, so um, the inductees coming in will be Josh Inman uh, with rowing, Rachel Rourke with volleyball, uh, Bob DeCarolis, Mandy Rodriguez with gymnastics, Mike Riley, Stephen Jackson, um, Mike Haas, myself, the 2006 softball team and the 2016 women's basketball team. Um, and so we're excited to be, uh, I'm excited to be inducted in that class. I'm actually the hall of fame chair. So I inducted myself into the class. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have anything to do with my own induction. I just happened to be in the class. And so, uh, we needed somebody to kind of run the program. It just happened that my first year running the event, I'm actually inducted in this class, but it's been, a, um, been pretty exciting just connecting with them, um, and just keeping them up to date. So November 10th, we'll have the banquet, um, uh, 5 30 p.m. and then kind of have them come in and uh well actually i it's pretty fun to be able to run as we're running a little bit different than we have in the past so running is similar to the pac-12 uh hall of honor so it's been exciting to kind of work with an entire team here with obn and doing all that stuff um and making sure that they come back and have a great experience well that's going to be an emotional night for me because you know i did the play-by-play -play for the 2016 women's team and mike riley and i go back to linfield days so that's going to be a great night and congratulations to you and thank you so much for spending time with us here on the beaver sports podcast and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again sometime thank you and i gotta say i actually forgot somebody brent barry with uh men's basketball is going oh, well, yeah <laughs> he <laughs> but, was pretty good yeah yeah he was, he was pretty good and yeah brent barry a pretty good basketball player at oregon state thanks again to alexis cerna and that hall of fame dinner november the 10th 6 p.m at the toyota club inside research stadium get your tickets going to be exciting Stick around. Coming up, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the men's soccer team went down to the Bay Area, knocked off number one Stanford. Well, guess what? The Cardinal will be at Paul Lorenz Field on Thursday this week. It's going to be pretty dramatic. We'll talk to two of the men's soccer players about that and a whole lot more. Lance Farrington and Ellis Spikner. Stick around here in the Beaver Sports Podcast. And oh, yeah, Michaela Pivot coming up as well. It's the Beaver Sports Podcast. Ron Callen with you. Let's talk men's soccer. Last month we had Greg Dalby, the head coach, on. Ellis Spikner, a junior. Are you in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Where are you from? Uh, southwest Michigan, Benton Harbor. So down not too far from what, Ann Arbor and Detroit, that area? Uh, other side of the state, closer to the Chicago area. Okay. Closer to Chicago. A little bit north of Notre Dame then. In Indiana. Close, yeah. <laughs> and what about you, uh, Logan Farrington? I know you're from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, right? Not Eau Claire. Uh, not Eau Claire? No, I'm from a little south of Milwaukee called Racine, Racine, Wisconsin. So not too far from Green Bay? Chicago, actually. Oh, really? About, about an hour, hour and a half north. Okay, so it's further because Green Bay is what about... Uh, Three hours north. Three hours north yeah. of Milwaukee? Yeah. Gosh, what do I know? <laughs> I've, I've, I've been to Lambeau. How about you? Have you been to Lambeau? For I have. I have. I've taken a tour there when I was younger, you know, part of the part of the Wisconsin experience. Yeah, with you, would you be then going to Detroit to tour a game or see games or would you go to East Lansing or Ann Arbor? Uh, I'm actually I'm a Bears fan. Uh, my family's from Chicago, so I would go to Soldier Field and see games down there. Wasn't much of a, of a Michigan fan. 
Well, I'll tell you what, uh, great stadium. I love going to Bears games there. Uh, in, in a past life, I worked with the Seahawks, and we would go there, and it was so cold. <laughs> it was awful. Anyway, let's talk about this soccer team and you guys. Ellis, what's it been like this year? Uh, you know, a coaching change and, um, you know, some new players. But uh, what's it like for you this year? Yeah, it's been different. Um, I'd say with the new coaches and with the new players, it took a little bit of getting used to early in the season. Um, but, you know, we start to play with each other and learn different tendencies and, and get, you know, more comfortable. And, and it's fun to grow. Well, at, at this stage, you've played a lot of soccer and everybody else has as well. Does that help as far as... You want to know the tendencies of your teammates, right? But uh, the fact that you guys are all experienced soccer players, does that help? Yeah, a lot. I would say the maturity helps us find solutions on the field because we can go over game plans, but, you know, guys that have been around and have experience, they understand how to, you know, make their own decisions when, when things aren't going exactly according to plan. So, um, you know, just playing with players that have that maturity and have the ability to, to you know, make changes on the fly is, is a, a weapon. So, Logan, uh, same situation, the new coach, and, uh, you know, you want to impress. Um, talk, talk about how that's working out with Coach Dalby and what it's like, what this team's like compared to past teams, because there's been success in this program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we've had uh, a pretty good start to the season so far. Um, coming into a, a different program than I'm used to, you know, um, it's always going to be a little difficult the first week or two getting used to the teammates, the coach, but I think uh, the coaching staff has been really great, the way we prepare, the way we train, uh, the way they hold us to a high standard, and then obviously playing with a bunch of quality players around me, it's, it's helped a lot to get used to each other and playing at a high level, so we're getting better every game. You know, uh, I know you guys are focused on what's next, the next game. Mm -hmm. But uh, earlier this season, you guys turned heads by knocking off number one Stanford on the road in Palo Alto. Logan, you know, that weekend for you, you go with the tying goal at Cal and then you get two goals against Stanford. Yeah. I mean, t talk about what that was like for you. Um, I, th I mean, it's just amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's my job. I'm the nine. You know, I score goals. I couldn't have done it without the service for my teammates. I think uh, as a team, we put in two fantastic performances, you know, playing with 10 men for 80 minutes against Cal. Uh, we showed a lot of character that game and then to come back and get a decent result. And then against Stanford, I think we put on arguably our best performance of the year. And just everybody was on it that day. Everybody was doing their job. We, we were working as a perfect unit and, you know, got a, a result, knocked down number one, which shows us we can do that. I want to talk to Ellis about you, but first let's talk to you about Ellis. So what makes him such a great soccer player? Um, I just know, like, we, we've been together not for super long, a couple months now, but getting to know his tendencies, you know, it's easy to play when we're on the same page. You know, we've struggled a couple times in games where we're not quite on the same page, but once we do click, it's very easy to play because we work together really well on the wing. I know what he's thinking, and if we're thinking the same thing, it's hard to stop both of us when, when we're on the same page. Ellis, what about Logan? I mean, that weekend was special for any player, but that was pretty exciting to see him uh, produce those three goals. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, it starts in training. This guy, you know, coming in, he was scoring goals in training. I think it was really just a matter of time until he, you know, did it on the biggest stage, which he did against Stanford. So everybody was, you know, is still so happy for him. Um, and we're excited to see him score more, continue to score. That's what he's there for. Does he pass much? Yeah, he passed. He passed sometimes. <laughs> well, let's talk about goalies because when I played goalie in high school and college, when you guys are getting ready to play at Stanford, whatever team you may be playing, do you do much watching of tape about tendencies by goalkeepers or defenses in general? LSU first. Uh, yeah, not so much goalkeepers. We watch some goalkeepers, but it's more about how teams are going to defend us. Um, you know, what kind of things we can do to, to make them uncomfortable, to put us, ourselves in good positions to score goals. So, um, yeah, a big part of it is watching film, um, trying to understand their weaknesses and, and play to our strengths. Logan? I think the biggest thing for me looking at goalies isn't like their tendencies as much more as kind of how they look. So if it's a tall goalie, you tend to shoot a little lower. If it's a shorter goalie, you shoot higher. But like Ellis was saying, I think a lot of it is defenders. So in my case, I'm looking at the center backs. If they like to stay close to me, if they drop off me, give me space to turn. And I think that's what we, we prepare for more than more than anything. You know, college soccer has different rules. You're not going to be doing any, what, penalty kicks after two overtimes or something like that. When you watch the World Cup, the ultimate, right? Mm -hmm. And you, 
you watch these guys in that situation, have you thought about, well, how would I handle that situation? How would I stay cool, calm, and collected, Ellis? Yeah, of course. Um, whenever you're watching, you know, guys at the highest level, I think there's so much to take away. There's so much learning to do. So um, you kind of, I think, have to put yourself in that position and think about, you know, what you like to doing and where you feel comfortable. And, um, yeah, of course, you can, you know, pretend to be taking the penalty so that when the time comes, you're ready for it. Well, what is that, like 120 minutes and then you're going to be, uh, uh, Logan, you're going to be going up there against one of the world's best goalkeepers. Do you have a favorite? I'm sure you guys have done a lot of penalty kicks in your lives. Uh -huh. Do you have a favorite way of doing yours? Um, I'm not going to give too many secrets out, but, uh, you know, I, I have my personal preference of where to take, but it, it also depends on the goalkeeper. I like to step up and just pick a corner and put it there, but it depends on if the keeper moves really early or not like the or, or stays in the middle, you know what I mean? But the pressure, you know, you kind of, you kind of drown it out. Like we, we, even though guys in the world cup are playing in front of thousands, thousands of people, we've had our own fair share of decent crowds for college games. Like at Washington, we had 4,000, 4,000 thousand ish there we pull over a thousand at our games you know I think as college athletes we have to handle that pressure a lot more than people think and I think we do a good job adjusting to that it's the Beaver Sports Podcast we've got Logan Farrington Ellis Spikner with us from the men's soccer team before we let you go a lot of season left including postseason what are your thoughts Logan about this team and you know how far this team can go yeah I think we have a lot of quality on our team we have a great coaching staff um, I don't think we've seen our best quite yet, uh, even though we've had a decent season so far, leading the pack after the first round of games. Uh, I'm excited to see what we're going to do. Not quite fo focused on postseason yet, focused on next run of games and just getting better with every performance. Ellis? I agree. Couldn't say it better. <laughs> Guys, appreciate the time and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up on the Beaver Sports Podcast, she was one of the greatest basketball players in the history of the Oregon State women's program, Michaela Pivik. She's had a successful pro career in Europe and other parts of the world, but she'd love to play in the Northwest in the WNBA. Could that happen? We'll talk to Michaela about that and a lot more as the Beaver Sports Podcast continues. Let's take a quick break to talk to you about a great partnership between BECU and Oregon State. Oregon State and BECU have teamed up to celebrate first-generation college students at OSU. The first-generation campaign will focus on highlighting current first-generation student-athletes and their journeys to Oregon State across the Go Beavs, social channels, game day radio broadcasts, and more. Thank you, BECU, for bringing to life these great stories within Beaver Athletics. The podcast is also made possible by the Oregon State Alumni Association. Find your next mentor. A career opportunity, perhaps. A glowing reference or introduction on the Oregon State University Beavers-only networking platform, OSU Connections. Enhance your Beaver network to advance your career. Get started at osuconnections.org. It's the Beaver Sports Podcast. Ron Callen with you and Beaver Nation. It's my pleasure to welcome our first visit with Michaela Pivik on the podcast. Michaela, you're looking great. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, fine rainy day here in Beaverton, Oregon, and good to be here. You're back in the States. Your job, your career is being a professional basketball player. What's it like? It has its pros and cons. I think um, a lot of the pro basketball life is glamorized but you don't always see the behind the scenes stuff um, there are a lot of really cool opportunities like traveling to different countries I've been to Australia um, Puerto Rico Spain and Turkey to play and so filling up the passport with different stamps got the passport going but it's not like you're traveling with a team this is team Michaela and you have an agent but you you go to Turkey or you go to Spain and it's you know you you don't know anybody. You're meeting people. What's that like? Obviously, you've got to be uh, aggressive and gregarious enough just to go for it. Yeah, it's um, it's been, a, especially since my first year playing overseas, a big adjustment. Um, and I think uh, people have talked about it being a gamble going overseas because some teams are great and some teams are not great. Some teams are really bad in terms of how they treat you, uh, the resources, um, just how 
responsible that organization is. Um, and so it's, it's a different experience each time. I've been blessed with having some really good ones. And my favorite experience was um, one year in Spain, Caddy Lasso, which Sid Weiss actually played for this team, um, located high in the mountains in Spain and really loved it. Really good group of girls, beautiful city. Um, first time I went to Spain, first time playing overseas basketball was not a good experience. I came during the height of COVID. So right after I graduated in 2020, our tournament was canceled. Then I went to play overseas in Spain. And when I got there, this town quickly closed down after and I was an essential worker somehow where I could go to the grocery store or practice. I couldn't leave my town. I couldn't drive outside the town even though I had a car. Um, and so it's been, um, it's been, I've had really good experiences and I've had some that are not as memorable. Compare your basketball skills now to when you were playing in college. I mean, how much have you improved? I've improved a lot. Um, I think... <clears throat> Each off-season, you have, like, this is my job now, so I can hyper-analyze what I do really well and what I don't do well um, and continue to improve on those things that I didn't do as well in college. And so I've become a lot better of a player, more complete of a player. Um, I remember each, each team you go to overseas um, needs something a little different, and I've always prided myself on versatility, um, but I think I've really honed in on um, being adaptable to whatever that team needs, whether that's the one, two, or the three position. Um, this past summer in Australia, I played point guard um, the whole time, kind of similar to my sophomore year um, at Oregon State, Marie's senior year. Um, and then this past year in Puerto Rico, played point guard the whole season. And so I, I've really um, grown in being able to facilitate and, and be a guard in that way. Do you like being a point guard? Is that your favorite spot now? Obviously, you've had success. You've had some incredible games. I mean, you, you see the tweets from these teams and, you know, Michaela, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, that kind of thing. You've had some triple doubles. That's got to be heartwarming to yourself that, you know, you are uh, making it making an impact. Yeah, I think um, I've really enjoyed overseas basketball, especially my favorite team was probably in terms of living situation Australia. Being able to speak English with people, just going to a cafe and not having to struggle with your order um, makes it a, a lot better experience. Um, going to Spain, like I don't, I know broken, I have a Spanish level of like a three-year-old and so um, it really helps be able to communicate with people in English and then Turkey all I knew is Tejekular which is thank you um, and people would start laughing whenever I'd say it because of my broken accent but um, I think if you like whenever I go to the countries I try to learn their language try to learn little bits here and there um, to interact because I think it's important but it gave me a good appreciation for Marie coming to play at Oregon State for Joe coming to play at Oregon State um, Andrea Aquino like it's hard to learn a new language, A, and then being able to study in that language and try to play in another language. Like, it gave me a different appreciation for what they went through. I want to talk about the WNBA uh, in a moment, but uh, um, you played overseas. You know, you've seen a lot of Beavers who are playing overseas, but you've actually played with Cat Tudor, right? Yeah, last year in Puerto Rico, I got the opportunity to be her teammate um, again, which was awesome. We have gone different places. I think she's gone to Germany, Australia, Puerto Rico to play. Now she's just outside of London in England. Um, and so it's cool keeping tabs on all these people overseas. I got to go to, um, when I played in Spain, Destiny played in France, we both met up in Paris and had a weekend there. Um, so it's cool to reconnect there. But um, yeah, Kat Tudor and I, got to be roommates so we were roommates uh, my freshman year going to the dorms Oregon State got reconnected last year in Puerto Rico for a team there um, it was a really cool experience seeing how each of us had grown when we first were freshmen at Oregon State uh, we were both like opposite ends of the spectrum I think she was more like woo party and I was like my body's a temple will not participate in anything that's fun that doesn't limit my potential um, and so I think we've both grown and become meet in the middle a little bit more um, and so it's cool to see how each of us had had changed since freshman year living together you've seen a lot of three-point shooters where would you rank cat tutor as a pure three-point shooter i've played with some snipers uh, i think my um want to say my junior we led the nation um and or just either sophomore or junior we led the nation three-point shooting so i played with some really good shooters Aaliyah. Sid Weiss, Kat, to name a few. Um, 
I'd like to think Destiny and, and I were good shooters, but then we look at them and we're like, yep, <laughs> you guys are really, really good. Um, I'd say top two for sure. She has the fastest release I've seen, and when she gets hot, um, I remember Oregon game my sophomore year. Um, she had... I think that day she had slept through the shoot-around, um, and... Oops. But, yeah, but came in, delivered a great performance against Oregon, um, scoring, I think, like, 34 or something crazy in that, in that game. Her and Marie really, like, led us, um, but top, top two for sure, um, just the way she's able to set her feet, um, we called it, like, a cat, um, because she can just get whatever you pass it she'll like grab it stick her feet quickly and shoot it um so i'd say top two release one maybe consistency sid um but those two like if you're comparing the all-time three-point leader in pac-12 history which will probably forever be cemented um unfortunately and then cat tutor like i'm thankful that i had opportunity to play with both of them because they're pretty easy assists <laughs> exactly now this is the Beaver Sports Podcast. Ron Callen hanging out with Michaela Pivik, uh, uh, such a great Oregon State Beaver, and now playing pro ball. WNBA. There's talk about Portland adding the team. What would that mean to you? Because you've been so close yet so far, and I know it's been frustrating. Yeah, I've been on the cusp of a couple of different rosters, and so being that 13th, 14th, 15th player at these training camps, um, been so close to making rosters, but I've never made a final final roster, and that's been my dream since I've been a little kid, not going to sugarcoat it. Like, um, it, it hurts um, to not have made a team yet, but it's still a goal that I'm shooting for and, and really want to attain. I'm doing everything in my power to continue to get better, continue to put myself in a position to be ready uh, for expansion. That's what I told myself in 2020 um, when I got drafted um, and ended up not making a roster, um, that I would continue to stay ready um, should expansion happen. And now it's it's cool that there's a timeline on it. 2025, Bay Area has been announced. There's speculation. Denver, Portland. I feel really good about Portland uh, based upon some friends. Like, I feel really, really good about Portland. Um, and Portland would be a dream situation and place for me. My sister now lives in Beaverton. Like, we live in Beaverton. Um, have a lot of friends in the Oregon area. A lot of supporters. And so, um, being able to play for a team in Portland. We know Oregon loves its women's basketball. You look at the rivalry of Oregon, Oregon State a number of years ago. You look at Portland Thorns, how much they support women's sports, a sports bra. So it's a it's a place that's primed for supporting women's sports, and I think it would be a great spot for that team. I think I'd buy a ticket if you were playing. I think I would. I would, too. I'd give you tickets, Ron, if I made that team. But, um, yeah, I think it would be a great spot, and I'm excited to see, hopefully, the official announcement from the league soon. Um, but... Um, yeah, super. That's still my goal. Um, and I think a lot of times I saw uh, previously, I've worked through some confidence stuff in terms of how I view myself, my identity in basketball. And when I didn't, first couple years didn't make the league, saw myself as a failure. Because um, I've been my goal for so long. And like as a really high achieving athlete, like your identity is so wrapped up in basketball. And so I think having that humility of like having that dream almost shattered a couple times of um finding i think joy in identity outside of basketball is something that i've progressed through the last couple years i think it's been healthy for me obviously still have that dream to play in the league and would use that platform to the best of my ability to positively impact the community um but also just appreciating the opportunity that is overseas basketball i look Sometimes when I get frustrated about the lack of opportunity of women's sports and specifically basketball, I look at softball or look at volleyball where there's no pro leagues um, in the States at least. And so there's a lot that will continue to change and for opportunity across sports and glad the expansion um, was finally announced, put a timeline on that. Michaela, um, you remind me of Ruth Hamlin in the sense that you were such a, a great student as well as a student athlete, yeah. you know, and you were what biohealth sciences major. Yeah, you know, what what uh, you know at some point basketball, you know, yeah. you, you'll be retiring. Do you have that big picture in you now, or is you just focus on basketball right now? Yeah, right, right now, um, all into basketball. I've. 
Um, I'm a planner, so I'm always, like, thinking about, like, obviously what's next. Um, hopefully it's not for a while, but, like, injuries happen. And so... I um, hope to play as long as my body keeps holding up. So far, so good. 25, going on 26 November. Um, but, um, yeah, I did get undergrad degree in biohealth sciences, pre-med. Got a master's in biochemistry, biophysics. So, big-time nerd here. Um, I always laugh whenever I say that degree. I'm well, like, that's an accomplishment. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's something to be proud of. Hope to use it one day. Um, but... Initially, I was like, I'm going to med school. Like, I took the MCAT my junior year, heading the senior year of Oregon, um, at Oregon State. Um, was like, I'm going to med school, going to be a doctor. Um, and then I've played overseas since since then. Um, I know once I start that second phase of my career, like, playing days are over. And so I want to see however far this can go and have no regrets about how I approach this um, before that next chapter begins. Really fascinated by like artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, had opportunity, Gordon Clemens, former Oregon State um, alumni, like ex-CEO of Corvell, had this really cool opportunity that um, I talked to him about my desire to learn about machine learning and he had me like intern and work with their machine learning team to kind of be exposed to that, see if it's something I want to do. It was really cool and thankful to him for that opportunity um, could see myself doing something at the intersection of like tech and medicine after basketball not sure if I want to go to medical school four years plus four years of residency depends how long I play <clears throat> I can't my kind of timeline in my head obviously this is <laughs> could be up to up to change depending on what happens but play till I'm 30 um, at that point reevaluate chance of playing in the league in the states like if I <clears throat> am playing in the states I'll play as long as I can and as long as I'm effective like adding to that um, organization if I don't make it by 30 reevaluate my chances and see if I'm ready for that next challenge in life before we let you go Michaela we appreciate your time um, go back into the time of when you played at Oregon State the greatest team you played on and the greatest moments. Was it 2018 when you guys went back and beat Tennessee there? Was it beating, you know, Kim Mulkey's Baylor team? Was it the Stanford win in 2017? Maybe there's something else in your mind. Uh, take us back to maybe some of the great moments that you had that you go, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, hot tub time machine, um, take us back. Um, it's hard because each the Arizona win at the buzzer. I could there's so many I could break up. Each team has its own journey, its own story. Um, the best, and I don't necessarily only want to look at the end result of like, um, but I'd say the top two teams in terms of how we executed um, my freshman year and um, my sophomore year were the two best overall squads in terms of how we worked well together and. Maybe we didn't have the most talent like those years, but we had enough and we worked really, really well together. And um, I think something that separated like Oregon State was how thick our playbook was. And um, my freshman year, those seniors had been there. Colby, um, asterisk around Bree Brown, um, and Sid Weiss and Gabby Hansen, like they had been there and they knew the playbook inside and out. And um, they're really hard to disrupt because they knew what to do. Um, and so, like looking at the year, we um, won the regular season Pac 12 championship. Um, we were up against Stanford. Like, we got a really good start in the Pac 12 championship game. Um, they ended up having a great second half, but um, like we probably should have beat Stanford to win that one. And then we had a really we went to the Sweet 16, but um, we could have beat Florida State. We had a really off game. So who knows? Um, in that region, um, we beat Florida State. Probably should have. We could have gone to the Elite Eight. Then we met up with would have met up with um, Asia Wilson's team um, that won the national championship. So you look back and are like, like that team had a lot of talent, and we did a lot that year. But potential, like. I think Sid in that game against Florida State went like 0 for 10 from 3, had been a magician like the whole year, leading us to every every comeback behind win. And so um, she has a, a normal game and we help her a little more. Um, who knows what that team could have done. So just the potential of that team. People say we overachieved, but it comes down like at the end of the year, potential doesn't matter. It's like what you do. Um, and so... 
my sophomore year, we had a lot of growth, growing pains, a lot of growing struggles. Like, it was my first year playing point guard since elementary school or, like, middle school. Um, didn't play at AU that much. I was off guard. Didn't play it my freshman year. Didn't even really get reps. Um, and so thrown into the wolves every senior year I'm like trying to figure out how to get her the ball um, as a little sophomore point guard um, remember one weekend we played USC UCLA keep in mind I'm the point guard here and her team had like 27 turnovers in one of those games USC game USC and then I'd say 20 plus against UCLA as well so tough tough weekend for me at the point in her team um couldn't tell you the number I specifically had but I contributed to a lot of them um and so I remember after that weekend um Scott brought up after our three and a half hour practice think on Tuesday Monday we had off to think about how many turnovers we had Tuesday um we have a three and a half hour practice and he brings up the board and writes 27 on it and I'm like, I know that that number is. And he's like, anybody want to guess what this number is? And I was like, I think we're all like turnovers. And so he's like, get on the line. And then um, he'd have someone come shoot a free throw. If they made it, he would take a number off, one, and then have a sprint down and back. If we, And then you have the next person shoot. If we missed... We still had to run down and back, but no number would come off. We're <laughs> just like, we're not going to have as many turnovers the rest of the year. Um, but it was something super memorable that in the moment I was probably like, oh my goodness, but I can laugh about now. Um, and um, definitely got the point across of how important it was to not turn the ball over. Um, but the rest of that year, we had a, such a, we had a tough um, Pac-12 tournament um lost to arizona state but then all those lessons and all those um tough moments led us to a magical ncaa tournament run and so led by marie marie was ultra dominant going up against some of the best posts in the nation um, mercedes russell at tennessee uh, went to tennessee i think they were were they 59 and 0? 57 and 0. 57. I'm exaggerating. I'm making it sound even better than it was. Um, 57 and 0. And then um, in NCAA tournament play, nobody had won there yet. And they had a really good team. They had Avina Westbrook, who's played in the W, Mercedes Russell. Uh, I think a um, couple other players that were younger, maybe, on that team. Um, but they're a really good squad. Went into their house, beat them. Um, and then went to play against Baylor for right to the lead eight. Um, Kim Mulkey doesn't like us, doesn't like the Beavs, uh, bad blood previously, so she was motivated. And I remember Katie McWilliams hitting a big shot um, to ice it, and then Marie Gulich played super strong all day against Kalani Brown. Um, and so I think those two teams um, are... My senior year had a really good squad. Um, but you never had a chance to prove it in postseason play. Yeah, that's like one of the biggest, reg- um, I guess, can't really say regrets, but like what if questions um, for me is um, we went through so much adversity. Like I think we started 14 or 15 and 0. Um, and Kennedy Brown was a freshman, Taylor Jones was a freshman. Um, Destiny, me, Aaliyah, Kat um, was coming back from her injury, Found finally found her stride towards the end of the season and had a great game against WSU. So you know she was going to bring it in the NCAA tournament. Um, we had a really good squad, um, and Kennedy tore ACL, which hurt, and then Taya Korsdell, who um, was a huge piece for us in our tournament runs, had a really bad hamstring injury. And then I was forced to play some four. I think Aaliyah Goodman played some four. Um, but that's one of the biggest ones of, like, what if. Um, and it hurts not being able to at least play out that tournament or at least for them to have posted the bracket. Like, I would have liked to have to see at least the bracket and visualize what could have right. happened. Um, but I think in terms of execution, how we played sophomore year and then um, freshman year, those two teams. Michaela Pivik, you are a basketball warrior and a great person, and I'm uh, so happy you took out the time to talk to us here in the Beaver Sports Podcast, and hopefully we'll see you again. Are you going back overseas for sure now? And Just tell everybody where you're going. 
Yeah, I have no clue where in the world I'm going to be going next. Um, kind of like Carmen San Diego. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't know yet. Um, wherever the world will take me, but right now, uh, based in Beaverton, we'll train here as I get ready for my next overseas opportunity for the next month or so before I get called on my mercenary trip to go play somewhere new around the world. My guess is. If I, I'm waiting for an Irish passport, so I have some great-grandparents. Um, I don't know if that makes me 12.5% Irish, but it would be enough to get a passport, and so I'm waiting for that decision. Um, and, you could dominate in Dublin. Oh, I would, yeah. I would love to. Um, I've heard it's beautiful. I heard you went there recently. Um, and so if I get that, probably go play in Venice. If I don't get that, who knows? Could be anywhere besides Russia. Thanks so much to talk to me, and uh, good luck to you, and hopefully, uh, you know, you'll get that dream here in the Northwest sooner than later. Would love that. Thank you for your time, Ron, and go Beavs. Go Beavs, indeed. Michaela Pivik, thank you for your time. Good luck with your professional basketball career. And that's going to do it for this week of the Beaver Sports Podcast. I want to thank, as I always do, Samantha Stanley for a great job in helping put this show together. Next week, of course, a big preview of that game between the Arizona Wildcats and the Oregon State Beavers in Tucson. Oh, and make sure you subscribe to the Beaver Sports Podcast. I'm Ron Callen. We'll talk to you next week. This has been the Beaver Sports Podcast, presented by the Fearless Campaign in partnership with Toyota. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Beaver Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.